is upside down and the majority turns to the left turn to the right always right with bob france on am 1420 the answer 937 now always right never left always right not wrong on am 1420 the answer appreciate you being with us Talked to Mike Gibbons yesterday, who has surged into the lead of many, many polls in the uh, United States Republican primary Senate race. Talked to Josh Mandel, who was in the lead the day before. Now we uh, talk to a guy who's hoping to try to catch up and overtake them both. J.D. Vance joins us once again on AM 1420, The Answer. J.D., good morning. How are you? Good, Bob. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Caught you on Tucker last night. You spent a lot of time on Tucker. You guys got a little bromance going on there or what? <laughs> yeah, we see the world in similar ways, and I think you know he recognizes very few people think the way that I do. So uh, we try to talk about issues from time to time, and uh, I'm glad I'm glad to, to have the platform, of course. Well, it was uh, it was an interesting conversation last night, and I was uh, really glad to be able to see it before I had John, so I can ask you a little bit about some of the things that you guys discussed, and maybe go in a little more depth because we have more time than you do on a short TV segment. So, if someone were to watch you for the first time yesterday. <clears throat> They would. They may take away that you are opposed to sending aid to Ukraine. That you that we are that you're opposed essentially to being involved in Ukraine, paying attention to Ukraine. You 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 spoke, I think, in a lot of America First language, very Trumpian America First language. Um, you slammed garbage Republicans for being quote obsessed with Ukraine all the time, and instead we should focus on our own border. Um, would a first time viewer of yours seeing that last night would would they be correct in that assessment? Yeah, largely. One one qualifier there, Bob, which is that I'm not opposed to sending aid to the Ukrainians, right? I'm not opposed to sending, you know, food, medical supplies, and so forth. I just think that we should condition it on actually solving some of our own problems, too, right? So what I proposed last night, and I'm going to try to try to write an op-ed today to flush this out a little bit more, is, look, for every dollar that goes to the Ukraine, we should send $3 to the American southern border. Uh, because I do think that, you know, we're, we're all so preoccupied, our media, our political leadership with what's going on in Ukraine, there are, as I understand it, about 200,000 Russians uh, who are invading the country of Ukraine. And there are 2 million illegal aliens who have invaded this country with no response from our leaders, uh, with no real care from the corporate media. Uh, of course, what's going on in Ukraine is tragic, but there are a lot of things that are tragic that are close to home that, that our media refuses to focus on. And I, I'm just watching this all unfold, Bob, and i got to be honest with you, I'm getting a very weird feeling. I feel like I'm being sold something. I'm not sure what I'm being sold. But on the one hand, Joe Biden and every major media outlet says that Ukraine is the most important thing, wall-to-wall coverage. I mean, we haven't had the media focus on an issue uh, like this since probably COVID in the early days. And yet at the same time, the one thing that we could do to weaken Russia that we could actually do without starting World War III become more energy dependent, and we refuse to do it. Something about this just doesn't work for me, Bob. There's something weird about the conversation that I worry that Republicans, too many of us, are taking the bait on this and not stepping back and saying, what is actually in our interest? What should we be doing here? And how is a given American goal connected to the, to, to the policy of the administration right now? Because I don't think there's a whole lot of that going on. Uh, it's an interesting observation. Uh, I, you're never going to find anybody who agrees more with our need to secure the border and stop the two million people who illegally crossed last year from from growing and doing it again, particularly with all, all of the drugs and other things that come across. So I certainly will not disagree with that. But to the point that one needs to be dealt with before we can deal with the other, you woke up this morning to the same news I did. The Russians not only attacked 
the largest nuclear power plant in Ukraine. It's the largest nuclear power plant in Europe. It provides Europe with 25% of its energy. They attacked it and set it ablaze last night. This morning we found out the good news that the blaze was put out and the reactors were not damaged or compromised, but the Russians have taken the facility. Now, by taking it and occupying it, I don't know what that means, but it doesn't sound good. And when you talk about a Russian force... uh, taking a massive nuclear plant that if it were to be compromised, according to the experts, it would be uh, exponentially worse and larger than uh, the disaster in Chernobyl in the 1980s. I kind of think I'm looking over there, uh, and I don't think I'm wrong to do it before I look down to the southern border this morning. Well, let me me push back a little bit here, because... You know, it's funny you mentioned the Tucker Carlson appearance because right before I went on Tucker, I was getting, you know, the news about the Russian, excuse me, the Ukrainian nuclear reactor for the first time. Yeah. And I remember what the Ukrainian foreign minister, I mean, I, I, I literally looked at this right before I, I went on Tucker's show last night. The Ukrainian foreign minister was saying, well, this is, this is going to be 10 times the worst than Chernobyl. And I have a friend of mine who actually knows a fair amount about nuclear energy and the types of reactors they have there. And the guy basically said it is physically impossible because that that reactor is from a particular generation where you could not have anything like Chernobyl happen with that reactor. Um, and so if the Ukrainian foreign minister is actually telling us that this is 10 times worse than Chernobyl, and yet that's physically impossible, again, that's the sort of thing that makes me feel like I'm being sold something. Again, I'm not sure what I'm being sold. I think the Ukrainians obviously have an interest in us getting more and more involved in this. And, and maybe that's the right answer. My view is it's not the right answer. But regardless of what the right answer is, we should be looking at it as what is in the interest of our country, what is in the interest of our citizenship. Uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, what happens in Ukraine, uh, whether the Russians take over the country, whether it becomes a long-term quagmire for them, Afghanistan style, whatever the outcome is, the 10 million illegal aliens that come into this country every year, I think is a fundamentally transformational thing for our country. It changes our demographics, our culture. It changes our welfare state. It changes our economy. And that is what I, I worry more about. And I, and I do worry, Bob, uh, and, and we may just have to agree to disagree, that the, that, that the focus on Ukraine is distracting us from very core problems close to home. You know, one of the things I talk a lot about is the leading cause of death among 18 to 45-year-olds in this country is fentanyl, most of it coming from Mexico, a lot of it manufactured in China and then brought in through Mexico. Uh, I would like the CNN reporters and the president of the United States and all of the people who are obsessed with Ukraine to just for a minute show a little bit of compassion for that problem. It it worries me that we're so focused on something 6,000 miles away when we've got so many problems here at home. Again, it doesn't mean we can't do anything. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't put sanctions. It doesn't mean we can't offer aid to the Ukrainians. But I think that our focus on Ukraine is distracting us from some much bigger things. We're talking with uh, J.D. Vance, U.S. Senate candidate uh, in a race, uh, crowded race in the in the uh, Republican primary. I want to play um, uh, one of the clips from last night with Tucker and ask you to follow up on it, um, because if sure. I were to suggest what I want to suggest to you right now, you would call me a garbage Republican. And I'm going to suggest that we can do and focus our attention on two things at once. But here's what you said. And the problem that I have when people always tell me, you know, the criticism that I get, again, from the garbage Republicans as much as the Democrats, is, well, America can walk and chew gum at the same time, right? We can focus on both of these problems. Well, if we can focus on both of these problems, why don't we, right? If we can control our own southern border and also look after Ukraine, why don't we do that, right? This this constant sloganeering, these ridiculous talking points, this idea that we can look after both of these things at the same time is frankly contradicted by the evidence that we see right before our very eyes. 
My response to that last night as I watched you and heard you is the one I'm going to give you right now and saying, and that is going to be that, that the fact that we're not doing those two things at the same time is not evidence that we cannot. It's evidence of the uh, irrational Biden administration that has intentionally ignored the southern border. Not only ignored it, but in fact encouraged people to uh, to bre- breach it um, with uh, with his ridiculous policies. Even his, his remarks on supposedly cracking down on the border on Tuesday in the State of the Union, most of it was how to get more people here. We need to get more judges to process these asylum seekers' claims so that we can get them into the country, because you know they're not going to get judges that turn them away. Um, so yep. my point, my point is, JD, I think we absolutely can focus all of our attention, or, or 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 maybe a ton of our attention, on our southern border, while also focusing a ton of our attention on something that's happening six thousand miles away, but that you have to know is impacting us right here at home through energy costs, the fact that we are continuing to buy our energy from Russia, and therefore funding Putin's war effort in Ukraine. I don't think it's true that we can't chew gum and walk at the same time. It's we're choosing not to, and that's a Biden policy decision, not an American ability. Yeah, fair point. Let me respond to it. First of all, I don't think you're a garbage Republican, Bob. You know, I like you and admire your leadership um, over over the past several years in this country. And I say that not just to, to kiss your rear end, because I think it's actually true. And, you know, it's well, important for us to have these, 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 these disagreements and to be open about them. <clears throat> here's here's what, I, what I'd offer in response. First, we have to appreciate that Biden is president, right? Donald Trump isn't president. Uh, you know, Ron DeSantis isn't president. Biden is president. And so in the reality that we actually have, you have Joe Biden, who simultaneously refuses to focus on our own southern border, and I think is excited, right? You, you, you listen to this guy. You listen to his administration. You watch Kamala Harris on TV. They are excited that they have this crisis in Ukraine because they know that it allows them to talk tough on TV and distract us from the fundamental problem of what's going on in our own country. Now, you're right that it, there is a theoretical world where, let's say, President Trump is, is president in 25, and we've got an ability to both secure our southern border and also deal constructively with this Ukraine problem. And the reality that we have, the administration that we actually have right now, I think the evidence is that we can't do both of those things at the same time, and not just that we can't, but that the focus on Ukraine allows Joe Biden a political get-out-of-jail-free card for the various crises in his own country. As evidence, you know, you mentioned energy prices. Of course, energy prices are going to be made worse, but they're also very bad before, right, because of Joe Biden's energy policy. Absolutely. Not primarily no question. Our, our Russian-Ukraine crisis is causing a spike in energy. It's Biden's idiotic energy policy. Inflation broadly, right, one of the craziest stories that I saw was before Russia even invaded Ukraine – I saw a story, I think, in CBS that experts, of course, always worry about the experts, but experts warn that the inflation, that that the invasion of Ukraine is going to cause an inflation spike. And I'm looking around and I'm saying, well, we've had an inflation spike for the past year. You guys haven't cared at all about it. So my, my point here is not just that it's a failure in practice of Biden being able to walk and chew gum at the same time, but we have to accept that because that is the president that we actually have. On the other hand, it is giving this guy to get out of jail free card. It's allowing Republicans and allowing not just Republicans, but the whole country to be distracted from the very real problems at home. And, you know, we, we always have to remember here, right, the same people who are waving the saber on Ukraine, the same people who are really, I think, excited. I and mean, you listen to Liz Cheney or Adam Kinzinger or a lot of the Democrats. They seem excited about this Russia-Ukraine crisis. You can hear it in their voice when, they're, when they speak. But these are the same people that were obsessed about Russia 
hacking the 2016 election, installing Donald Trump as a fake puppy, you know, all of these crazy things that we heard over the last four years. I think that we're empowering those people by, by playing into their narrative on this crisis instead of saying, hey, why don't you focus on closer to home? That's where the real crisis is. That's where the real problems lie. Okay, and, and, and I think you make some very good points there. I want to I try to wrap that part of this with this. Um, is it fair to say that maybe what we should be doing is our, our focus on what's here at home should be different than our focus uh, what, uh, of what's going on in Ukraine right now? You said focus on, you got last night again, I'm quoting you, focus on the problems closer to home, then we can worry about what's happening in Ukraine. What's happening here at home with respect to the southern border in particular is our choice. It's our choice because of the government we elected and gave power to, not just Biden, but the entire Democrat-controlled Congress. They want to surrender our sovereignty. We made that happen. What's happening to the Ukrainians is not their choice. They're the victims here. They are the victims of a a madman named Vladimir Putin and his war machine. Is it fair to say maybe as a compromise here, J.D., that we should focus all of our anger and rage on, on Biden, and on the Congress that is allowing this in- invasion of our country vis-a-vis our southern border. Uh, but our sadness and our compassion should be with the people of Ukraine. I think I can give an equal focus of anger toward one and compassion, compassion and concern toward the other. Is that a fair compromise? Well, absolutely. You can, I think as an individual American, look, I, you know, every day, every, every weekend at church for the past two weeks, I've said a prayer for peace for the Ukrainians. Uh, I think it's absolutely reasonable for us as individual Americans to, 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 to show compassion, to accept that there's a tragedy over in the Ukraine. Uh, at the same time, I think we have to accept that as Americans, for the very reasons you just said, the, 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 the geopolitics, right? Our country cannot focus on Ukraine in the sense that it really cannot affect the outcome. And I think even if it could affect the outcome, it would be less important than so many of the things that are happening at home. Uh, so I, I absolutely, I, I think the policy of our government has to, we have to separate that from our individual actions as Americans. And all I'm saying is that as a government policy, we have to accept that there are interests that are more vital that are closer to home. And I think this Ukraine thing is allowing us to distract ourselves. Most people who are following the, following this very closely, J.D. Vance, um, have talked not only about what's got going on with Russia and Ukraine, but the outcome of that dictating what may happen with communist China and Taiwan. Uh, they're watching very sure. closely to see what the NATO response is, if there is one, to see what the American response is, if there is one. Because if they see that Putin is getting away with this, this is something they've wanted to do with Taiwan you know, for a very long time. To the point that you said we already had inflation because of Biden's policies, you're right, we do, and that's, in, that's, that's unforgivable. But I, I read one expert who said, we allow China to go into Taiwan because we're allowing Russia to go into Ukraine and doing nothing. The semiconductor Taiwanese, the Taiwanese uh, semiconductor industry being taken over China by China is going to make a thousand dollar American laptop become a fifteen thousand dollar American laptop. This is going to have a direct. We're not just talking about a little bit more for our groceries, a little bit more for our gas. We're talking about massive, massive impacts on the American economy and the American consumer. Any thought on maybe the decisions or the attention we pay to Ukraine here is going to have a lot bigger impact on America? through uh, through uh, Asia uh, than it actually is through Europe? Uh, yeah, look, absolutely a fair point. Um, I think, unfortunately, the damage is largely done because I think it's, it's about weakness, right? The, the, the Chinese see weakness. Um, the Russians have seen weakness. A lot of people see weakness. Uh, that's the fault of the Biden administration. Unfortunately, you're not going to be able to change that a whole lot. This is the one thing the Constitution does give the president near total control over his foreign policy. 
Uh, and unfortunately, we have the president that we have. Yeah. Now, I will say this is one of the reasons why I've been a little bit more cautious about the Russia-Ukraine thing, Bob, because I worry that, I mean, this is not a past you know year thing. This is going back to the Obama administration, that it's been the policy of the State Department to push the Russians further and further into the arms of the Chinese, where, look, we're never going to be Vladimir Putin's buddy. He's clearly a bad guy. But Trump said, and he was criticized, he was called a Russian stooge for this, for saying that maybe we should try to thaw a little bit with the Russians. Maybe we should try to provoke them as little as possible. And maybe we should try to build some sort of, you know, neutral alliance with them uh, vis-a-vis the Chinese. And I think that's still probably the right policy. And what I, what I look at right now, I really worry, is you see... You know, American lawmakers talking about sanctioning India. Okay, we're already effectively in some sort of cold conflict with Russia and China. So now we're basically taking on the three largest powers in the entire world. Like, we've got to be very smart here because, look, I hate to say it, but thanks to a lot of bad policies, right, a lot of bipartisan bad policies over 30, 40 years, America is not as strong as a country as it was when Ronald Reagan was president. And because of that, uh, we've got to be careful about not pissing off every single world power because we can't take them all on at once. Having, having said that, life. having said that, J.D., I apologize. We're running short yeah. on time here, and I wanted to get your of reaction course. to Lindsey Graham yesterday, who went on Fox and said, we need somebody in Russia, not Americans, not, not even Ukrainians, but somebody within Russia needs to do the world a favor and take their own leader out. How would you react to that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I worry about that, Bob. Um, you know, the last time that you had an American uh, leadership take out a bad guy was Muammar Gaddafi in Libya, right? That was Hillary Clinton's idea to take out Gaddafi. He was, of course, a bad guy. He deserved whatever came to him. But what happened is Lydia, Libya became a tinderbox. It empowered a lot of Islamic terrorists in the region. And we have basically a, a, a slow-burning civil war, right? Vladimir Putin's a bad guy. But if you have a regime change, maybe you get somebody better, maybe you get somebody worse. And so now you've got a total... Um, a person even worse than Vladimir Putin with control of Russia's nuclear weapons. we got to be careful here, right? This is the thing that we should take from 20 years of American policy uh, overseas, Bob, is that when we inject ourselves into some of these regime change conversations, very often it does not work out. It didn't work out in Iraq, didn't work out in Libya, hasn't worked out in Syria. We've got to be careful here and accept there are limitations to what our country could do. That's why I constantly say We've got to focus on our own problems at home, starting with the southern border. J.D. Vance joining us on uh, AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, Hey, J.D., I already blew past my break, so um, what more damage can I do to myself by giving you 60 seconds to talk? (laughs) Just 60, but can you do me a favor, set your timer on your your Apple Watch or whatever you got there, and give me 60 seconds on where the race is. Uh, It seems to have shifted. Uh, Josh Mandela had been leading for a very long time. Mike Gibbons has surged to the lead in a number of polls. Uh, How are you feeling about where things are? Yeah, I feel I feel very good. Um, you know, we have to remember that we've had about four million dollars of negative advertising spent against me. None of the other candidates have ne- had negative ads spent against them. And you know, the last poll that I saw had us in second place uh, with Mike, uh, with Josh ahead, or with Josh in third. And look, at the end of the day, I-, I think that you can't focus too much on the polls, especially this far out. A lot of them are going to be wrong, uh, even the ones that are conducted independently. But I feel in a very good place. I think people are responding to the message, and I think importantly, Bob. I've shown that I can take a hit. You've got to be able to take a punch in politics. None of these other guys have taken a punch I have. All right, there it is. You did it. You kept it in 45. I appreciate that very much. I, J.D., I thanks, for the, <laughs> thanks for the time this morning. Thanks, Bob. Right. Take care, That's man. J.D. Vance on AM 1420. The answer, as you might imagine, we're going to take this right to the news so we can catch up a little bit.
We're going to come back on the other side and talk about more races, this one being a congressional race that isn't the congressional race that Jonah Schultz signed up for. Uh, The lines have been redrawn. We'll talk to Jonah Schultz about that coming up after the top of the hour, AM 1420, The Answer.